So if you guys, if you would, would you stand with me? We're going to read from God's Word. We, we want to place Scripture in a place of honor here at Sanctuary Church, so this is something that we like to do every week. So we're in the, in the book of Joshua chapter 10, and I will read the, the first part, and then you will read the alternate verses. So I'll start with verse 3. All right, so King Adonai Zedek of Jerusalem sent messengers to several other kings, Hoham of Hebron, Piram of Jarmuth, Japhia of Lachish, and Debir of Eglon. Now it's you guys. Verse 6, the men of Gibeon quickly sent messengers to Joshua at his camp in Gilgal. Don't abandon your servants now, they pleaded. Come at once, save us, help us, for all the Amorite kings who live in the hill country have joined forces to attack us, you guys. Verse 9, Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and took the Amorite armies by surprise. The Lord threw them into a panic, and the Israelites slaughtered great numbers of them at Gibeon. Then the Israelites chased the enemy along the road to Beth Horon, killing them along the way to Azekah and Makatah. Verse 12, on the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel, and he said, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. So before we dive into our message this morning, uh, whenever we approach God, we have to expect that he's going to do good things, right? When, when Moses was at the burning bush, God said to him, take off your sandals for you're on holy ground. I see some of you guys are wearing sandals. You're already halfway there. This is great. But this morning, before we jump into this message, I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite God into this time. But I'm asking you guys Expect God to work because he's here this morning. You guys are on holy ground. He's going to speak to you. He's going to work, not because of me, but because of his word. So would you guys pray with me? Let's invite the Lord into our time. So Father, we thank you that you have chosen us, that you have made us your people. And God, that you want to speak to us this morning from your word. Open our eyes that we might see wonderful things from your word. Open our hearts to understand, Holy Spirit, Help us to see what you have for us from your word here in Joshua chapter 10. And we invite you and we thank you. Amen. All right, guys. So this past week, I've been traveling. I had the opportunity to be in Boston, Massachusetts. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Boston, but it's a beautiful place. I encourage you guys to go there. One thing you'll notice as you're walking around the streets of Boston, inevitably on one sidewalk, you're going to see this red line that follows the sidewalk. And what that line is, is it will lead you to all these historical sites that had something to do with the American Revolution, the founding of our country, and how we became free from the British. And they call that red line the Freedom Trail. So you follow the red line, and that will take you to all the sites that tell the story of our freedom. And it reminds me of the Bible, because the Bible is a collection of stories and of songs and liturgy, and history, and poetry, and all these things that tell the story of God in his world. You see, the story of God, the Bible is the story of God working in the world to bring us into fellowship, into relationship with him, where we will find ultimate freedom. It's our freedom trail of sorts. And just like in Boston, our freedom trail the link between all of Scripture, Jesus is a link between all of Scripture, and he creates a red line because it's his blood that paid for our sins to bring us freedom. He is the connecting line. He is the freedom trail through all of Scripture. As people, we can be enslaved to all kinds of things, to fear, to anger, to lust, to greed. The list goes on and on. You guys know it. But if we believe in Jesus, he sets us free from these things. 
Christian maturity isn't about becoming good. It's about becoming free. Christian maturity isn't about becoming good. It's about becoming free. Galatians 5.1 says, it's for freedom that you have been set free. Therefore, stand firm and don't let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Jesus has set us free so that we might bring his kingdom to this world as it is in earth, as it is in heaven. That he might use you and me to love and serve our community, the people around us. And we do that as we become free. That's why Galatians 5.13 goes on to say, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. There's a problem, though. If we're going to be completely free, there's some enemies in our lives that we have to deal with. Just like the children of Israel, they were free from Egypt, but as they went into the promised land, there were some enemies that they had to deal with to be completely free. These enemies, they wage war against our freedom in Christ. Maybe you guys know what I'm talking about. Maybe for you, it's uncontrolled anger. You know, you're saved, you love Jesus, but as you drive down the highway and people catch you off, these uncontrollable special words come out of your mouth. (laughs) Is that just me? No, okay. Uh, These these words come out of your mouth, and there's this uncontrolled anger and rage, and you want to kill people on the freeway. That gets in in the way, though, you see. That gets in the way of who we are supposed to be as God's people. Maybe for you, it's fear. You trust that God is in control. You absolutely do. You you love him. You trust that he's in control. Yet you're afraid for the future. You're You're afraid politically. You're afraid of the recession that we think might be coming. You're afraid of all the different things in your life that you can't control. Mothers, you're afraid for your kids. Fathers, you're afraid for your families. Or you're afraid of following hard after God and trusting that his plans are better. For you, maybe, maybe it's lust. Maybe you can't stop thinking about some things that you know you really shouldn't be thinking about and sometimes even participating in. You love Jesus, but these things wage war against your soul. It's not that you don't love him, but you're not completely free in that area. This morning, the captain of our salvation Jesus longs to lead us into the promised land. He wants to lead us on this freedom trail that our lives might be a demonstration of his power and his authority over over every enemy. This morning in Joshua chapter 10, we're going to see how Jesus can lead us to freedom. So let's look at it. Joshua chapter 10, I'm just going to do a quick overview. We have this incredible story of how God intervened supernaturally to give Joshua and the Israelites victory. Last week, we saw how the Israelites got tricked by the Gibeonites. So these Gibeonites, they lived in the land. They were actually the enemies of Israel, but they pretended that they came from a faraway country. They tricked the Israelites into making an agreement or alliance or covenant with them. And so that's, that's the deal that they made. And then all of a sudden, the five Amorite kings who were friends of the Gibeonites, like, what did you guys just do? You just made an alliance with the Israelites. They're going to wipe us out. And so they decided, let's, let's, let's attack Gibeon. Let's show them what they deserve. And so the five kings of the Amorites, they gather together and they come against Gibeon to fight them. And Gibeon calls, the, they pull the Joshua card. They're like, hey, uh, you remember that agreement? We need some help here. We're getting attacked by five kings. So Joshua, come and help us. So Joshua and his men, they march all night from Gilgal to Gibeon, and they take the enemy armies by surprise. Just as a little side note, Gibeon is down in a valley, um, and, or Gilgal is down in a valley. Gibeon is up in the hills. It's about 
3,500 foot elevation gain and about 20-ish miles away. And they marched all night to get there. So Joshua and his men were dedicated. Israelite army is beating back the enemy. The enemy flees to try and escape. As they're trying to escape, God sends large hailstones onto the enemy, and more people get killed by the hailstones than through the battle. That happens. And then Joshua, he's fighting the enemies, and he says, I need some more daylight here. And so he says, he, he asked God for this miraculous thing. It's never happened before. It never happened since. He says, God, can you keep the sun standing still for a little while? I need some more light to fight my enemies. And so God does it, and, and the sun stands still. God answers his prayer. The sun stands still in the sky until they have the opportunity to defeat their enemies. So this is where we're going to pick it up here, and we're going to learn about how Jesus will defeat our enemies. So the first thing we see here is who is leading the battle. Verse 7, Joshua and his entire army, including his best warriors, left Gilgal, and they set out for Gibeon. This is what God says to Joshua. Do not be afraid of them, for I have given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand up to you. So Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and took the Amorite armies by surprise. So the Gibeonites sent a message to Joshua to help them. Joshua led the army from Gilgal. Joshua traveled all night. Joshua was leading the battle. Joshua, for us, is a picture of Jesus. As Pastor Rod has told, told us earlier in this series, Joshua and, and Jesus in Hebrew, it's the same name. It means Jehovah is salvation. Joshua, Jesus, Jehovah is our salvation. Hebrews uh, 2.10 says Jesus is the captain of our salvation. I like that. Jesus is the captain of our salvation. Our victory over our enemies begins and it ends with Jesus. If we're going to have victory over these enemies that wage war against our soul, the sin that's in our lives, it begins and it ends with Jesus. Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Hebrews 12.2 says, He is the author and he's the finisher of our faith. Jesus began it, and he's going to complete it. He started a good work in you guys. Maybe, maybe it's been years ago. Maybe it's been a few months. Maybe it's been a few weeks. But he is the one who's going to complete that work in you. He is the one who's going to defeat your enemies because Jesus, Jehovah's salvation, he's the captain of our salvation. He's the one who's going to accomplish it. We are not alone in our fight. We can have victory over the enemies of sin because Jesus is the one who saves. He's the one who will lead us. He is the one who will go before us. He's the captain of our salvation. Jesus will bring us victory because he alone has authority. Matthew 28, 18, right before Jesus ascended into heaven, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Listen, Jesus has authority over your fears over all your fears. He has authority over that anger that wells up inside of you that you can't control. He has authority over the bitterness that's sunk into your heart that defines your life. He has authority over these things. He has authority over the lust that you just can't seem to shake. He has authority over your doubts. He has authority over everything because Jesus is a victorious captain of our salvation. Jesus will lead us to victory, but listen, we still have to do some marching. Verse 9, Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and took the Amorite armies by surprise. They marched all night from Gilgal down in the valley up to Gibeon in the hills. It's equivalent to this. Okay, so let's, let's all walk outside right now, and then let's march up to about Angeles Oaks or Jenks Lake. 
That's the distance and that's the elevation gain. I like hiking, I don't sign up for those kinds of hikes. That's not, you know, I'll, I'll take the car, okay? That's, that's pretty far away. We can absolutely trust Jesus to lead us to victory, but listen, we have to follow along. We have to march with him. If, if the people never followed Joshua, there would have been no victory. You know, God promised victory to Joshua, but the, the group had to come along. They had to march with him to actually have that battle and have victory. If we're going to have victory over the enemies of sin, Jesus will lead us there, but we have to participate. Jesus will lead the way, but we have to follow him. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says this, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It's God who works in you to will and to do to his good pleasure. St. Augustine, one of the early church fathers, put it this way, without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. We don't have the power to deal with sin on our own. There's no way we can do it. But we do have to be active in the process. Jesus Take the Wheel is a song, not a strategy, right? Jesus Take the Wheel is a song, not a strategy. For example, if I'm dealing with lust and sexual temptation, I need the power of Jesus to overcome these things. There's no way I'm going to be able to do that on my own. But I have to participate and march where God is leading with me. So, you know, if I'm asking God to help me with lust, that's why 2 Timothy 2.22 says, flee youthful lust. So I ask for Jesus, the captain of my salvation, to, to, to do these things, to accomplish them, to give me the power but he says, but it's your job to flee. It's your job to run. As Pastor Rod has taught us before, there was a story of Joseph running from this woman called Hotifer. Anybody remember the story? Um, <laughs> Hotifer's wife. And he had to flee youthful lust. If I'm struggling with gossip and I need the power of Jesus to deal with that lust in my life, I have to participate in, in March where he's leading me. So if I'm saying, God, you know, I have this problem with gossip. I need you to help me. We also have to do what he says and go where he's going Proverbs 20.19 says, a gossip goes around telling secrets, so don't hang around with chatterers. You know, so if I'm worried about my gossip, but I'm, I'm not going to do it, I'm just going to hang around people who do, it's going to be a problem. Jesus leads us to victory, but we have to march along with him. Without God, I can't. Without me, he won't. What happens, though? What happens when I know what to do, when you know what to do, but we don't want to do it? Has that ever happened before? You know what God's word has said. You know what he's leading you to do, but you don't really want to do it. When you say, okay, Lord, I know you're leading me away from this bitterness, but I don't really want to change. I know you're leading me to deal with my anger, but I just can't let go of it. I know you're calling me to a life of generosity, but I don't want to give my wealth away. When we don't want what God wants, we yield through confession. That's why it says in James uh, confess your sins to one another that you might be healed. When we're dealing with, with this reality that we know what God's will is, but we don't want to do it. We, we know where Jesus is leading, but we don't want to march behind him. We confess these things. Larry Osborne, who's the pastor of North Coast Church down in San Diego, he calls this the prayer of permission. He says, Lord, I know what you want me to do, but I don't want to do it. I'm giving you full permission to change the way I feel and think about it. When we know what we're supposed to do, but we don't want to do it, we just have to be honest with the Lord. We can come to him with anything. And it's better that we're honest and we say, God, I know what you want me to do, but I don't want to do it. Will you change my heart? Will you change my desires? Will you give me the power to do that? That's why it said in Philippians 2, remember? Work out your own salvation, for it is God who both works in you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. 
if we're honest with God, if we confess that we don't even want to do what's right, God will give us both the will and the power to please him. That's really good news. Isn't that good news? It's really good news. Let's read on the story, verse 11. As the Amorites retreated down the road from Beth Haran, the Lord destroyed them with a terrible hailstone from heaven that continued until they reached Azekah. The hail killed more of the enemy than the Israelites killed with the sword. Listen, as we step out in obedience to follow Jesus, to march with him, he's going to do more of the work than we could ever do. Just like more of them were killed by the hailstones and the sword, as we step out in obedience to follow Jesus, he's going to do more than we can ask or think. Ephesians 3.20 says, Jesus is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. According to his power that works within us. As we step out into obedience to follow Jesus, to march with him, he's going to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or you can think. And that, my, my friends, is really good news. That's what we need to hear this morning. So as the story continues, Joshua asked the Lord to do a miracle. The sun was going down, and he needed more daylight to deal with his enemies. Verse 12 says, On the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel. And he said, Let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. And Joshua knew something. He knew this, that if his enemies were in the light, they could be overcome. Try to fight in the dark, it's pretty difficult. He said, I know we can do this because you've promised victory, but we do need a little bit more light here, Lord. Can you just do this little miracle and just make the sun, you know, not go down? That would be nice. And God actually did it. Question for us. Have your enemies ever been brought into the light? The sins that are waging war against your soul. Have they ever been brought into the light? We can't overcome our enemies if we don't bring them into the light. Some of us have never named or acknowledged the sins that are waging against our soul. We know they're there, but we don't want to talk about them. We don't want to think about them. I think for those of us who have been Christians for a longer time, it's even harder because overall our lives are pretty good. Like we don't have a lot of issues. We don't have a lot of problems. We're living a pretty decent life. And you don't really want to think about these things that are keeping us from that promised land that God is calling us into. But remember, the point of Christian maturity isn't to be good. It's to be free. He says, for freedom, you've been set free. The point of Christian maturity is to be free. Our enemies can be overcome only when they're brought into the light. Here's the good news. If we ask God for more light, just like Joshua, he's going to give it to us. If you say, God, I need more light to deal with these things in my life, he is going to give it to you because he's a good father and he always gives good gifts. We get light from two places, from God's word and from God's face. First, we get more light from God's word. Psalms 119, 105, you guys know this one. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You guys could probably quote this. There's a song. I won't sing it for you guys today. How do I deal with a particular sin or issue of my heart? I go to God's word and I say, God, I need more light in this area. I need more understanding. What am I supposed to do or believe or know? I go to God's word for more light and more understanding. Where can I find encouragement and strength as I wage this battle? I need more light. I go to God's word. I, get, I go to God's word for more light. Recognize, though, God's word is a light to your path, not a floodlight for the general area. It's, a light, it's like a little, little, little like mini light. It's a light to what's just right in front of you, not like a floodlight for everything in the next five years. 
It's a mini light for what's just right in front of you. So often, God leads us step by step. At Sanctuary Church, we always talk about, well, what's the next step that God is leading you on? God's word will lead you to the next step one at a time. Follow that step until you need more light. There's a caveat, though. Sometimes we have the light we need already, but we just don't want to do it. We, we, we know what we're supposed to do, but we don't want to do it. And so we look in Scripture for more light. We're like, well, maybe I can find something that, that will uh, help me not obey this. W.C. Fields was this famous comedian and, and actor in the early days of, um, of uh, film, and he was just notoriously, like, not a good guy. You know, he was just a philanderer, you know, adulterer, all these things. And at the end of his life, he's in a hospital bed, and his friend comes to visit him. He's reading the Bible, and he's like, what are you doing reading the Bible? And he says, looking for loopholes. <laughs> Where God's word is clear, don't go looking for loopholes. Where God has already spoken, don't go looking for loopholes. The second place we get more light from is God's face. Psalms 44, it's looking back on these events of Joshua, and it's kind of looking back in the past, talking about what happened. And it says in verse 3, for by their own sword, you did not, they did not possess the land, and their own, their own arm did not save them, but your right hand and your arm in the light of your presence, for you favored them. As we spend time in the light of God's presence, in his face, he speaks. As we spend time in prayer and worship and meditation and confession and yielding, God speaks to us. He moves. He identifies the thoughts of our hearts. He's going to give us a light we need to deal with our enemies. He will speak to us and confirm what he said in his word. Again, don't go looking for loopholes, though. People will say things like, well, I know God's word says this, but I have a peace about doing this anyways. You know, I know that uh, you know, this is not really something Christians are supposed to do, but that's okay because I've prayed about it and I have peace. The light of God's presence will always align with the light of God's word. The light of God's presence will always align with the light of God's word. If we're going to deal with the enemies of our soul, they have to be brought into the light. Let's move on. So after the sun stood still, the five Amorite kings flee and go hide themselves in a cave at Makeda. Verse 17, when Joshua heard that they had been found, he issued this command, cover the opening of the cave with large rocks and place guards at the entrance to keep the kings inside. And the rest of you continue chasing the enemy and cut them down from the rear. Don't give them a chance to get back to their towns, for the Lord your God has given you victory. Verse 20, so Joshua and the Israelite army continued the slaughter and completely crushed the enemy. Verse 22, then Joshua said, remove the rocks covering the opening of the cave and bring the five kings to me. So they brought the five kings out of the cave, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon. And when they brought them out, Joshua told the commanders of, arms, of the army, come and put your feet on the king's necks. And they did as they were told. And Joshua said this, don't ever be afraid or discouraged. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord is going to do this to all your enemies. Then Joshua killed each of the five kings and impaled them on five sharpened poles. It's getting a little PG-13. Sorry, guys. This is really interesting to me, though. Who else in the Bible was placed in a cave with stones in front of the entrance? Who else? Jesus was. Jesus died on a cross to save us from the power and the penalty of sin. He was placed in a tomb carved out of rock and a large stone was rolled over the entrance. When he rose from the dead and emerged, he had victory over sin, death, and the devil. Romans 6, 7, and 10 through 11 says this, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin, but now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead 
to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Listen, Joshua sealed those five kings in the tomb. They were alive when he sealed them away, but they were as good as dead. He knew what he was going to do with them. They were powerless. They were in the tomb. Some of the enemies of sin within us feel very much alive. But according to God's word, because Jesus came out of the tomb, those sins are, are dead. We have no power over us. We are dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. We are not slaves. We are free. Lust and sexual sin doesn't have power to control your life. Bitterness does not have to define your life. Fear does not have authority over your life. Anger is no longer the boss of you. These things may feel alive, but they're shut up in the tomb because Jesus is alive. And you don't have to be a slave any longer. Look what happens next in the story. Joshua said, remove the rocks and bring out the kings. Joshua brought each one of these kings out into the light, and he named each one. The king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon. Joshua identifies each king by their name and their territory, and then he tells the commanders of the army, come here, come here, come here for a second. Put your foot on their neck. Does anybody remember when Saddam Hussein was captured? It was 2003, so it's been 21 years. Anybody remember that? They found this. He was a dictator of Iraq. He was the most powerful man for decades and decades. They pulled him out of a hole like a worm. No power at all. It was the U.S. soldiers who did that. A few years later, 2011, in Libya, you guys remember Gaddafi, another dictator? They pulled him out of a drainage ditch, and the mob had their way with him, and they were not merciful or kind. It was, it was that moment. These five kings were the kings that the Israelites were deathly afraid of because they were the most powerful, and Joshua brings his, his commanders and the people and says, come here for a second. I want you to put your foot on their neck so that you know that they have no power at all over you. No power at all. So too with us, Jesus would remind you this morning that those enemies of your soul have no power over you. Because Jesus has victory, you can place your feet on the neck of fear, of anger, of pride, of bitterness, of doubts, all these things, because Jesus has victory. Joshua says these words to the commanders, don't ever, ever, ever be afraid or discouraged. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord is going to do this to all of your enemies, not just these five kings, all of them. Joshua wanted them to know they never, ever had to be afraid of again. If you are struggling this morning to deal with one of the enemies of your soul, these words are for you. Don't ever be afraid or discouraged. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord is going to do this to all your enemies. John said this, or Jesus said this in John 8, 36. If the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. Jesus, the captain of our salvation, has come to make us free. So what do you do with all this? Well, if you've never met Jesus before or put your trust in him, you're invited to come, join us, be part of the family, be part of the story of God. But for the rest of you, in this story, each one of the five kings had a name and a territory. What about you? If you could name a few things that you need victory over this morning, that have a name, that have a territory in your life, what would they be? What are the enemies that your soul is dealing with? What is the sin that you are battling with? Why don't you just take a moment, note that, write that down, if you have an opportunity to do that. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's sexual sin. Maybe it's pride. 
bring those things into the light, name them by name, and ask Jesus to deal with them one by one. Maybe you don't know. I was praying this earlier. Maybe you don't know. Like, God, what is the thing that's hidden in my heart? If that's you, just take some time and pray. And pray the words of Psalms 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. After the service here, we have Daryl and his wife and others who would love to pray with you. If there's something that you're dealing with, let's do business with the Lord this morning and bring it to him. The second thing I want to encourage you with this morning is this, is that your enemies have no power over you. Don't ever be afraid or discouraged. Be strong and courageous. Jesus wants to lead us on this freedom trail. It's the red line, the victory paid by his blood, and he gives us victory over all our enemies because Christian maturity is about freedom, and he wants to set us free so we can bring his kingdom to the world. As we close, I ask the band to come up. God is calling us as individuals, as family at Sanctuary Church to do some big things, right? He's calling us to do some big things. We have a property that we need to go occupy. We need to move into some spaces that we haven't moved into before. We need to love and serve one another in our community in ways that we haven't imagined. We just did the trunk retreat. We had the community out. We need to do more of these things. God is leading us to do more things like this. But as we go into this promised land, we need Jesus to deal with the enemies of our own souls. To be more generous, we need to be more free. To serve like Jesus, we need to be more free. To love our neighbor, our coworkers, our community, we need to be more free. And Jesus, our greater than Josh, will give us victory as we march in the places he's leading us to go. So would you guys pray with me? Dear Jesus, we thank you that you are the captain of our salvation. You are the one, you alone can bring us victory. You alone can bring us into the places of freedom in our souls so that we can be your ambassadors in this world, your ambassadors of love, your ambassadors of freedom, your ambassadors of peace. And we ask that you do these things and even more. Amen.